so I explained to him that he who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And those were my exact words. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov is not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Thank you for joining me again. So I first want to give a shout-out to all of my Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much, Shell, Sam and Angela Shelke, Ty, Katie, Kevin, Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Amanda, Jay, Spetsnasty, Darrell. Thank you so much for all the support you've given me. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. I do know how much the dollar is worth these days as everyone seems to have less and less of it and it buys even less and less things. Well, I want to introduce my next guest. It's it's a pleasure to have her on because she recently was basically fired from her job, if I'm not mistaken. This is Brandy King. She's a pilot for the for the Air Force. And about a year after she was fired, she was called on a Sunday and said, we don't really know what to do, but you've been selected to be promotable to colonel. So, Brandy, thank you so much for coming on. Tell, tell our viewers and, and our listeners, you know, kind of your story, how this all started. Sure. Well, I don't know how far back to start, but I, at some point in my life, determined that I would like to fly. And after 9-11, I wanted to fly for the Air Force for obvious reasons. I felt like our patriot, our uh, country had been attacked and that my patriotic duty was uh, to go and serve. So I did. God opened the door for me to be a pilot in the United States Air Force, Air Force Reserve Command specifically. And it was a great career for 19 and a half years, just about. So the last assignment that I had working for the Air Force Reserve Command was as Director of Operations of the Formal Training Unit, the C-5 Super Galaxy Formal Training Unit. So I saw about 250 plus or minus students a year flow through there and directed all operations as the title ensues. And that was a great job. And I, I really liked it and had a lot of success, I feel like. But about a year or so into that, maybe a little bit more, I was called by a two-star general at headquarters Air Force and was asked to be the lead officer for a newly signed strategy by the chief of staff of the Air Force. And I agreed to do that. So it took a brigadier general to curtail my orders, my AGR orders, active guard reserve orders, which went took me through mid-2024, I believe. And I went on orders working for Air Education Training Command on this new strategy and was tasked with starting a branch in support of the strategy. So I, I did that. And about three months into that, I got... Actually, two months into that, I got notice of the order to vaccinate with a COVID-19 vaccine. Oddly, for a year and a half, I had been running a schoolhouse with hundreds of people and never got COVID. We didn't lose any training. We, we delayed training like everybody because we did have you know, scare events because of trace con- or contact tracing and fear like that, but nobody ever got hurt and nobody was out for too long and it was smooth operations for the most part. 
So then I get the call when I'm serving in the capacity of RDI lead at AETC, Air Education Training Command. And I'm actually working from home like 99% when I do go into the office. So you're teaching people to fly from home. No. So that was when, when I, when I was flying, I was in the office and nothing bad happened. Then I got hand selected or by name requested to go run a strategy at a different base in my, in my hometown. And when I was doing that, I did a lot of zoom meetings. I worked with numerous entities and stakeholders all around the country, both civilian and military. And Oddly, so I had been face-to-face with 250-plus students, no problem. I go work from home, and I get this call that I have to vaccinate. And I, it, it just blew, it blew my mind. So I, I knew I had done my research by then, and we all kind of felt like something was, was going to happen in that regard. When Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin put out the direction in the memo and directed all of the commanders to have everybody vaccinated, I got the call on September 11th. I was doing a run at my church, Faith Runs Global, and my husband and I did the run and we were walking to the parking lot with some friends and my Fulberg Colonel Director of Staff for the the two-star general at Numbered Air Force called me and read the order and I was in shock. And it was so ironic because I had signed up to serve after September 11th, 2001 And I was getting a call telling me that I had an ultimatum to either get a vaccine that I could not do because I had been in prayer. I had been in the word of God. I had been specifically informed by the Holy Spirit not to put this in my body. And I was not going to go against what God was directing me to do. Yet my whole career hinged on this date and this event. And it was just, it's like everything came full circle. So I explained to him that he who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And those were my exact words. And it, and it wasn't meant to be snarky. It was just, I had to share with him my faith. And he said, I'm going to give you time to think about it. And I advise you to get the shot because religious accommodations, from what I hear, will not be honored. And my husband and I and my friends were in shock when we heard this. And so I, I, went about my business and didn't forget about it. Obviously this thing is looming, but I I prayed about it and I asked God to open the doors to let my career continue. And I finally on the 28th of September received a call when I was in a meeting doing my job and the call was from the same gentleman. And he said, here's the deal. I need to know right now, are you going to submit a religious accommodation or are you going to get the vaccine? And the order had stated I had to do it by the 3rd of October. This was the 28th of September. So I still had four or five days to be able to decide. And I said, I, I cannot, I cannot get this vaccine. So I will be complying with the order by submitting a religious accommodation request. And he said, well, then your orders will be terminated and you will be finished in this position. And I I was in complete shock. And that happened within about three hours. I checked our arrows database, which holds the orders and my orders were indeed canceled. 
and I had no job. And I, somebody who had canceled the orders, I guess, had also clicked a box saying that I was a civil servant. And so I couldn't even get TRICARE after that. So I, my family had no income from my service and no healthcare within hours, literally three hours after 19 years. That's amazing. It's almost like it's, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's almost as if they have meetings and they have things that they want you to be in. And if you don't have this, then you can't be in those meetings because to, to dispatch your entire career, 19 years that, that quickly, it's like, well, what's in this that's that important, right? Is there something in there that, that prevents you from being a national security risk? And if you don't have it, you're a national security risk. I mean, they, they didn't use those, that nomenclature with you, but they did with me. And it's, I'm seeing this pattern over and over and over again. It's like, get it or get out, get it or get out, get it or have everything bad done to you as if there's something in this. I'm not saying there is something in this that would cause you to be different, but it's almost as if there is something in there that would cause you to be different, that would allow you to sit in on these meetings that would, you know, allow your security clearance perhaps to continue. It'd be interesting to see if your security clearance is still in full effect. But yeah, if they, I have, they remove that as well. I have no idea. I mean, I literally, yeah, it's absolutely mind blowing how important this shot was. And then, you know, fast forward, I, after I, after I submitted the religious accommodation request, I started reading regulations and instructions and statutory law in the constitution, like crazy, just trying to figure out what was going on. And in doing so, I, I, found that in the AFI, the Air Force Instruction 48110-IP, I think it is, there are many exemptions that are allowed in medical practice. So for example, if I, I'll just tell you the three exemptions that I submitted. The memo for the Secretary of Defense allowed for individuals who are participating in a, in a study to continue in that study and remain unvaccinated until the study was over. So it was kind of like a short-term term exemption. I submitted that because I was part of a study, an, an unvaccinated cohort, and it was denied. Then I submitted a medical exemption request for being immune, having natural immunity because I had my antibodies tested and they were off the charts, and that was denied. And then I thought, you know, we... Pfizer doesn't want to tell us what's in the vaccines. And so for 75 years or however long it was. And so I just want to make sure that everything that's in this vaccine, I want to exhaust all possibilities and, and say what's in it and do I have any problem with it? I wanted, I knew God had told me not to get the vaccine, but I also wanted to know what medical practitioners had to say about it. So I went to two different doctors and found out that I was in fact allergic to two component, known two of the known components in or ingredients in the vaccine. And both allergists, certified allergists wrote letters saying, Hey, she has potential to go into shock and either do long-term damage or potentially die from this vaccine. So we do not advise that she gets it denied. And then after I submitted those three medical exemption requests, the two-star general wrote me an email and said, I'm giving you a letter of reprimand. 
because of your poor judgment for submitting both a religious accommodation and a medical even medical exemption request and and not doing them at the same time which when i went back and i read his original order he specifically stated in the order i could get the vaccine or submit a religious accommodation request or a medical exemption request so it was a weird and oddly written order that was not legal number 1 and then number 2 i there's no time limit there's nothing that says that i there's no law and there's no instruction in the air force or department of defense instructions that says you can't submit subsequent as you learn about issues subsequent exemption requests so it was just really strange and it just felt wrong everything about it felt wrong and so i got the letter of reprimand and in that same email he told me that his intent was to send me to the non-participating inactive individual ready reserve which is i mean the two things in combination it's career ender it it ended my career in seconds so it was a hard pill to swallow but i also knew that god had given me very specific instruction and i i have never wavered since i made that decision based on his direction i've never wavered and second guessed myself and what i was going to do i always am an information gatherer so i always seek extra information but i just felt confident that i was doing exactly what god wanted me to do and <laughs> oddly you know 14 months after I've I haven't participated for 14 months. I mean, they just wanted me to disappear. And I get a call from a general, a flag officer, telling me that I've been promoted. And I just Matthew 19 comes to mind when, when you know, he says that with man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible or anything's possible. And here we are, you know, a non-participating lieutenant colonel who was rejected and kicked to the curb and now promoted or select for full bird colonel. God has a great sense of humor. He sure does. Colonel or Lieutenant Colonel Promotable. I think the Air Force says it a little differently. We, we, we say in the Army, we say yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Promotable. That's just an incredible story. So it makes you wonder, and you and I kind of speculated about this yesterday when we talked, you know, is it pure incompetence that they promote? was the reason for promotion, like they just didn't realize they should have removed you from the roles. Because I don't think the listener understands, at least in the army, this is the way it is. And I want the listener to know also that I recently had my promotion board convened, and I don't know if I gained that promotion yet, but this will be a very interesting experiment to find out. So <clears throat> for my promotion board, they had this two different ways of doing it. Either opt in, like you say, okay, I'm going to put my name in the hat to get promoted, or opt out, meaning I have to take my name out of the hat because they're going to potentially promote me anyways. And with the opt out system, they usually do that when they they have they need X amount of kernels, and there's no way they're going to get X amount of kernels. So they just say, everybody, all right, we're putting everybody's name in the hat. If you really don't want it, then you can opt out. So it makes me think that, first of all, they don't have enough kernels at the level that they need kernels, in your case. They're, they're completely incompetent in that, that they're, they're promoting someone that they basically fired. Or the third option is there's someone inside who knows what you're doing, who sees you, and said, let's just put her name over here where she deserves to be promoted. Yeah. She is one of the few that has earned one of these <laughs> patches, and I'll be, once we... 
we get off with each other, I'll send you one of these because you <laughs> you definitely deserve this. I would love that. Getting a call from a two star saying you're fired, and then and then the pleasure of being called by a one star and said, hey, I know it's Sunday, I know it's it's not a work day, but. You just been promotable, yeah. So I, when we're done, I want to definitely send you one of these. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's just funny. Like, wow. and, and, it, and, and it, go ahead. I love your third option. Yesterday, when we briefly spoke, I and you gave that option. My husband was sitting in the living room with me, and we were like, "Yes, that op- that third option of some, you know, good human being that." has seen my work and knows my heart and my dedication and service before self attitude and says, yeah, let's put Brandy in. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. I hope that, I hope that the air force reserve command isn't so incompetent that they just wished me away and, and, and then forgot to take, you know, my digital self out of the mix. I hope that's not the case. And then I also hope that they're not suffering from a loss of people that want to serve, which we know they are, but I hope it's not to the extent where they take disappearing, you know, reject, rejected Island of the Misfit toys, kids like me, and then give us full bird. So the third option is by far the best. But, but even if it was an accident, a pure accident, they would have to have, because so when I when I had my promotion board, it was an opt-out system. But even then so, I had to go into the system and actively click on links saying, yes, this this packet, all the information is here in here is correct. And then I actually got an email from someone saying, okay, everything's done. Is there anything else you want the board to see? And I sent them <laughs> some of my rebuttals to my negative OERs, officer review boards, because I wasn't allowed to put them in with the negative officer review board so hopefully hopefully i got that promotion as well but yeah we'll see. i'll say a prayer uh, but it's it <laughs> but it, it's not just like even if it's an opt-out system you still have to go in and click things and so that's why it makes me think that someone inside you know this this idea of a white hat lack of a better term but someone who who sees the good and is is also a follower of god likely went in and said, you know, let's just put her name in this hat. That would be awesome. And someday I would like to be able to thank that person face to face. Yeah. And if you happen to be that person and you happen to be a listener, shoot me an email. I'll keep your identity silent and quiet, but just, I just like to have that satisfaction of letting Randy know that, yeah, someone, someone sees her, sees what she's doing. There's a couple things you mentioned earlier that I just really want to draw attention to. September 11th, that's an interesting date. There is this this man, Dr. Michael Heiser. He's a biblical scholar. He wrote the book, The Unseen Realm. And I encourage everyone to go read it or listen to it. Check out his YouTube channel. But there was a video he did a while back. And he talks about Jesus' birthday. And he has an interesting way of doing this. He he worked with someone who studies the stars. I always get it mixed up if it's astrologer or astronomer. Someone who actually studies the stars and the constellations and the the bodies in the sky, not, not your horoscopes. And... What he does is he takes all of the constellations that are described in Revelation, and he he looks at that, and he puts them into basically a timepiece that, that showed the stars in the sky. And all of those constellations would have been visible in a 40-minute window, 3 B.C., September 11th. And he suspects that was Jesus' actual birthday, which if you look back, the date, September 11th, 
there's a lot of really bad things that happen on September 11th throughout history, not just for us and 2001, if I have that date correct. But it's it's almost as if the Unseen Realm is trying to undo that day. Because if, if you're in the Unseen Realm, you're one of these bad, you know, these fallen angels, one of these watchers that has fallen, and you you know that there is going to be a point where something happens that leads to the Savior coming that that destroys their entire earthly kingdom. And the birth of that thing, or the Messiah, or Jesus, was on September 11th. You're going to do all you can to make that day become more infamous than famous. And it makes a lot of sense that way. And it's interesting how you got these calls on September 11th each time. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I I firmly believe that this is a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. And I believe that the enemy, Satan, will use all means possible, deploy all demons to attack us and to distract us and to deceive us. And I think that's what we see happening worldwide, but also in specifically in the U.S. military. We've got some great people that are serving. And, you know, I, I, I have my issues with our leadership right now with flag officers and 06s specifically. I think that our culture has shifted to a self-service culture, meaning I got mine. I just need to get my rank. I need to get a bigger ribbon rack. I need to be promotable. I need to have a better title. And I'm going to be honest, I got caught up in that. I don't know how you couldn't in that system. I think every single person does, or they just don't care. And they're there to click away the days and hopefully get a retirement. But at the same time, I think there are really good people. And even though we get distracted momentarily by shiny objects like birds on your shoulder or lapel, I... I think ultimately there are some really good people who will be able to break free from those distractions and be able to sacrifice self, which is what we're called to do, not only as Christians, but as service members. I also think that there are people that will succumb to those distractions and to the deceit that the rank and the privilege is more important than the service. But if anyone listening or any flag officer knows Jesus and knows Christ and our our Lord and Savior, then he or she also knows that God says over and over and over, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, the weak shall be strong. He uses people like Rahab and he goes in out of his way for people like the woman at the woman at the well. In Luke, I, I think it might be chapter nine, I'm not sure, he talks about healing the crippled woman who had been crippled for 18 years on the Sabbath, he heals her. It's one of the seven Sabbath miracles. And, and it's, I, I find myself, and then the, the man laying next to the, the healing pool, I find myself saying, you know, Jesus always goes to the people that are least likely to be used by this world for good and for, and that look at are looked at by this world as strong but Jesus goes to the weak and and I'm nobody. I'm just Brandy King from, you know, South Texas, happy go lucky, nothing special about me except for that I was made in God's image and and God is using me and I see that. And I my hope is is that our leaders will turn from the deceit of this materialistic world and 
will recognize the rank structure and the pomp and circumstance of the military for what it is it, it, and, and start serving, start serving again, stop taking and start serving, start upholding the constitution, read it, pick up a copy. I'll mail anybody a copy who wants a copy. Just tell me, I'll mail it to them and read it because that's what we swore. Yes, that's what we swore an oath to support and defend. And that's, it's just not happening right now. But it all goes back to Satan is trying to distract us. Satan is trying to keep us from doing good. The constitution is based on God's law, ultimately God's law. He gave us freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. And we are not honoring that. And that's what our constitution is all about and supposed to be honoring. So Sam, uh, Dr. Sigloff, I hope that, that people, Sam, is good. Just call me Sam. Sam, I hope that people hear our voices, our collective voice as service members who have been persecu persecuted in the name of, of Christ, that they hear us, that they see that we're not vindictive or bitter or even angry, hopefully not for long periods of time if we suffer from that at all. And that we're willing to forgive, but like the man who was sitting next to the healing pool in Luke, when Jesus healed him, he said, do you want to be healed? And each individual person has to want to be healed. We have to want to repent. We have to want to be forgiven. And I don't see that happening right now with our military leadership. And it's sad. There were some things that that uh, there's some things that you had mentioned that just made me kind of think in the Bible. So in Hebrew, and I learned this from a rabbi that I used to listen to quite a bit. He said that there's no word for hero, and there's no there's no hero in the Bible really. There's one who was perfect, and there was many who weren't, and there was many cycles of this trying to be like a new Adam and they fail and then trying to be like a new Adam and they fail. And it was finally Jesus who was the Adam that was perfect for us. But you know, even King David, who was a man after God's own heart, did some horrible, horrible, evil, terrible things. And it's interesting that there is no idea of a hero because what that to show us that is we're supposed to look at the whole picture and you know, you and me, we've, well, I'll speak for myself more so, but I've done bad things. I've done, you know, lots of sin in the past. This is one area that, thank the Lord, that I was able to be given discernment. But this is for the people that have maybe been on the other side, been the opposition to us. You're not my enemy. It's, it's that unseen realm that is the enemy. And, and with that said, the reason I'm saying this is the moment that you have clarity and discernment, you can ask for forgiveness. There's forgiveness at the foot of Christ, whether that's from forgiveness of you know, pushing this on people who that would have been illegal to push this on people, or you just got it and you feel bad and you feel like you've sinned against your body and against God, there's forgiveness at the foot of Christ. That doesn't mean that everything will go away and things will get better and that you won't be responsible for your actions. You know, forgiveness comes after the conviction, right? You can't, you, you can't forgive someone unless they're, they're willing to, to say, you know, yes, I did it. And for my neighbor, for the guy who, who is a same rank of me, you know, this is specifically excluding the commanders. It's easy to forgive them, at least in some sense, because they don't need to have justice extracted. But Jesus also said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
and for justice. And and we are all hunger hungering for and, and we thirst for justice and for justice to be given out. Now that doesn't mean I can't forgive someone after they've had justice served, but we need and this is kind of going to an overarching method message that I'm going to be help sharing through the Truth for Health Foundation is that we need the people to have an outcry for justice from from the military leaders that there's investigations done that if there were criminal that there are things that were done criminally that those criminals are charged that we determine that because I guarantee you there has been done things that have been done criminally it's it's illegal and unlawful and those are different terms and I use them specifically to tell a service member to wear a mask to tell a service member to take a PCR test to tell a service member you have to get this experimental DOD shot and I say DOD shot because it's not approved by the FDA uh, you're 100% right there has to be justice and you know our our country thrives on liberty and justice. And, and we see that's biblical also. And I think that it's important. And I tried to explain this to one of our mutual friends in a radio show the other day about liberty and justice and how they go hand in hand. And he came back with a, with a great argument, actually, which is the folks that are, that are super pro shot and that want me to get the shot to protect public health, they are looking for liberty. They're looking for their liberty to stay healthy. That's kind of their argument. But, but my argument is, and I, and I believe it's the truth. And I don't think it's just my argument for sake of argument is that, and this is kind of a, a crass way to say it. And so I wish I had a better example, but you know, let's just use sexual revolution for, for uh, example, if, the sexual revolution was for people who wanted freedom in that behavior, right? They didn't want to be forced to do that with everybody, if that makes sense. So you can't take something and force it into my body or make me do something that I don't want to do, but you can give somebody freedom not to have to do something. For example, the shot or calling somebody by a pronoun that they want you to call them. That person has every right to desire to be called something. They can't make you call them that. They have every desire, they have every right to desire to put something into their own body or to protect themselves however they see fit, but they cannot they cannot push fear-mongering and serum into my mind and body respectively because of their need because that encroaches on my liberty. And that's where we need justice to step in. When my liberty has been violated, then justice must step in. And that's also just natural law. When we do something, like you and I are both sinners, and I don't want to speak for you either, but you know, I am, Paul said, I am the most wretched. Well, I, I feel like I am the most wretched. And, and all of us need Jesus, and I especially need Jesus. But the bottom line is that we have natural consequence in this world. And if you look at it biblically, we were all going to hell, but Jesus stepped in and he took that natural consequence for us. That doesn't necessarily happen in everyday life here, but it still follows the same paradigm. You choose an action or a behavior and there is a follow-on consequence, period, dot. 
And we can't have justice served until we have the follow-on consequence. I would say, though, that there's something so great about redemption, because even if I have a follow-on consequence, uh, you know, jail time or losing rank or losing pay, those things sound so horrible. But at the end of the day, if I lost my rank, which, by the way, I did, and my pay and my health care, I have God. I have Christ in my heart. I am following exactly what God wants me to do. And I believe that God is using our stories to bring people to Him. And ultimately, there is no better reward. So if we have to give up earthly treasures and possessions to gain eternal treasure, it's a no-brainer. And if we can somehow evangelize, for lack of a better word, and share the love of Christ and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace and the hope and the joy and the peace of Christ with anyone throughout this process, if one person accepts Christ and believes in Him and follows Him, because of the loss of my worldly possessions, I'm the happiest person alive. I think that's perfectly stated. And and I think it's also interesting how throughout all history, I am supposed to, let's say if I'm providing for my family, I sacrifice myself to provide for my family, which means I also sacrifice myself for my community. I'm the one that puts myself through the struggle so that I can, you know, I don't look at money as a physical thing. I look at money as a spiritual gift. And that same rabbi had explained this, that when you make other children of God happy and make their life better, you get reimbursed with the spiritual gift called money. Now, obviously, there's some people that extract that money. And that's why Jesus said that the love of money is the root of all evil, because you'll squeeze the person to get get their blood out or get their money out. But if I sacrifice myself and I work the long hours and I do the hard things, then then my family does better, right? I don't throw my children out into the world and make them go work for me. And if I did, I would be a horrible father. But what society is making us do is they're saying, I'm scared to live. So I'm going to force you to sacrifice yourself for me. You need to get this shot so I can have my freedom. That is a complete inversion of what freedom truly is. You need to wear a mask to cover your mouth to protect me. Well, that's symbolically, metaphorically, it's Satanism because I'm making you cover your mouth, which takes away your humanity, which makes me not see you as a human, another, you know, child of God. But it's also sacrificing my neighbor rather than sacrificing myself. If you want to wear a mask, fine, go ahead, wear one. But don't make me wear one. And Jesus didn't, we didn't say, Jesus, you need to be sacrificed. He he volunteer, volunteered to come down and sacrifice his life so that we could have that relationship with the Father, as we did back in the garden, where, we, where man and woman were naked before God, naked before the law, and everyone was equal. Before we were deceived by the great deceiver. Right. Precisely. Absolutely. And when, when Christ gave himself, when he allowed people to crucify him brutally, when he died, was buried, and rose three days later, and then ultimately left us with the Holy Spirit, he didn't make us worship him. He didn't mandate that we fall at his feet and worship him. 
He gave us choice. So with something, the most important thing, the most important thing, salvation, isn't mandated. It's, it's almost laughable and ridiculous that people are mandating masks and PCR tests and shots. And it's, it is Satanism. It's absolutely satanic. One other thing that I wanted to mention is you had talked about some civilian allergists that you went to. I believe you said you went to two different ones. Is that correct? Yeah, so you broke up just a little bit there. I did see two civilian allergists, but I missed the second part of the question. That was it. I was just waiting for it to oh. the breakup to go away. You went to two different civilian allergists? I did, yes. I went to one in my hometown and then one in a different town in Texas. Two civilian allergists that did not know each other and had no relation. I just, I wanted to... Don't say the specific city. But was the second city north of, of yes. your hometown? Okay, because I, I personally spoke to a, an Air Force physician who was in a city who was north of where you are, you know, one of the larger cities north of where you are. And this guy, you know, he, he's, he's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get the shot. The doctor got the shot, and he's had no problems with it. But some, some Air Force uh, service members came to him and said, uh, a few of them, I think it was like four or five of them came to him and said, look, I may have an allergy, and I don't think this is you. I don't think you're one of these people, but this is, this is to give an explanation of what happens to doctors who, who do the right thing. So he sent them to potentially the same allergist because this guy was stationed in a different city than you are. He's active duty. And he sent them to the local allergist. And the allergist sent back... So this is a family medicine doctor. So kind of a... We're a subspecialty, but we're thought of more as a, as a generalist. But it's technically a, or a specialty. And he sent them to a subspecialist, an allergist. And the allergist said, yes, the, this, this airman or airwoman may have an allergy to this by these tests that I've done. Here's an exemption so that they don't get it because they could have terrible anaphylaxis and it could kill them. So the family medicine doc, the Air Force doc, did what he was supposed to do legally and his responsibility and what's right. He took that letter. He put it in their medical chart. He was suspended for putting that in their medical chart. Can you imagine being suspended for a subspecialist opinion? I'm a family medicine. I'm a board certified family medicine physician. My opinion is not more, have more weight than a subspecialist. Now I may disagree with them at times and I may send them to another subspecialist, but I'm not to say, you know, I'm not going to even put that in their chart because that could be wrong. No, it's my legal duty to put their entire med complete medical record in their medical chart. But yet he was suspended by the air force because he did that. And it's not like he was a, a disbeliever like like I've been labeled with. It's interesting, believer, right? That's, that's biblical <laughs> yeah. language there, religious language. But I'm not a denier of science, also more religious language. But he was suspended from his work because he did what was right, and it protected so the patient. So I have a story along these lines. One of the medical exemptions, the, the final medical exemption that I submitted, I submitted it via the aeromedical squadron that at, at the station where I, my final station. And basically a Lieutenant Colonel nurse practitioner, I believe, received the exemption request and called my cell phone. 
and we had a, a talk and, and she basically was like, listen, yeah, you need to see an Air Force allergist. So we're, I'm going to give you a 30-day exemption so that we can get you in with the Air Force allergist, which oddly, they wanted me to fly across the country. I, I'm, I, I couldn't make this up if I tried. They wanted me to fly ac- across the country to a base in a different state, a faraway state, to go see a specific allergist, I guess that they had a handshake deal with, I'm not sure, instead of literally driving 11 minutes to the largest hospital, one of the largest hospitals in all of DOD from my house. Right. A flagship hospital, what we would call the ivory tower of, of facilities. I mean, they didn't have anyone there that was on I the take? I don't know. I guess I they didn't. I don't know. But so I agreed. I said, okay. And they wow. weren't even going to pay. I was, I was on no points, no pay at that point. So I was going to fly myself to a base and who knows if my common access card would have allowed me on the base at that point, but to a base to have a, an Air Force allergist tell me whether or not I actually had these allergies. Now, this is where it gets really insane. So I get the email stating that I have a 30-day waiver or exemption to go get this done. And, <laughs> and I said, okay. I emailed back. I talked to her on the phone again. She called me back and I'm thinking it was like a day later, I'm guessing if memory serves, she calls me back and she says, I just talked to my commander and your commander, and I'm going to have to revoke the exemption. So you don't have a 30 day exemption. And I'm not sure about you even visiting. I guess you'll just have to talk to the allergist at that air force base. Just, she had the physician, the, the, the medical practitioner had been overruled by a higher ranking officer in my chain of command, essentially. It's not unusual. So, yeah. It, my, my medical, my 30 day medical exemption disappeared. And within, I'm, I'm thinking within a week at that point, I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I received the email that said you're reprimanded and you're gone. So, wow. Wait, and, and if I can remember to put it in here, I'll put the, the screenshot that I took of it, of, of this uh, colonel who works in headquarters command. And she put on a Facebook, it's a closed Facebook group. So it's army doctors only. And it's, you know, army, some army civilians who used to be active duty army, but they're all doctors and it's a closed group. And she put on there, I thought we weren't giving let me try and paraphrase this and I'll see if I can put the picture up here. But basically we weren't, we were told we're not giving any exemptions. This is a Colonel who works in a headquarters department. And so, I mean, that, that, that's a huge, huge issue, right? I hope that becomes evident someday as, as these people get, go before boards and, and courts martial to find out if crimes were committed. Cause I would assume that if, if you have a predetermined judgment before someone submits anything, then that would probably be a crime. At least I would guess it would be. Yeah, I have I have multiple eyewitnesses or people that can testify to the fact that the my chain of command verbally told me that they did not believe from the meetings that they have had, they did not believe that accommodations or exemptions would be granted. And I mean, that's just, it's mind-blowing. It absolutely, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And the thing that's more troubling is that 
these people, these higher ranking people than me did not see this for what it is. It's, it's unconstitutional. It's inhumane. It's illegal. It's unlawful. Why, why did nobody stand up and say no? Why are there only a few of us? I mean, I know why people don't want to lose their income. They don't want to lose. They have a massive fear of discomfort. I, I understand that. And, and my heart goes out to people who ended up caving and got the shot against their will because they didn't know how to feed their family. Otherwise, I'm not judging them. Who I'm judging is the commanders, the G-series orders, the perpetrators. commanders who allowed this to happen. Somebody somewhere in the chain of command should have up-channeled to the Secretary of Defense, to the bureaucratic appointed, politically appointed individuals who mandated this. Somebody should have said, this cannot happen. We must preserve, support, and defend the Constitution and all the laws that come from it via the, the legislative powers that are derived and given from that document, from that contract, the Constitution. And it didn't happen. And in, 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 you know, in 14 months, in a year, in a few months' time, everything that I had dedicated my adult life to had become an aberration, like a, something that I wasn't sure if it was even in, in existence. Did I really take an oath? Is the oath really what I thought it was? Do human rights really matter? What is the Air Force all about? I mean, the questions swirling around in my mind, it's like waking up in the Truman Show or getting unplugged from the Matrix. It, it was just almost debilitating for a few weeks until, until I pushed through. Not that I questioned my decision ever. I just was shocked at reality. It's moments like this that we, t it's, these are the reasons why we take the oath to defend the constitution. It's easy to defend the constitution when everyone's doing it. It's easy to, to say, yeah, freedom of speech. We can say whatever we want when it's speech you agree with. It's important. It's the most important to say it and, and to stand by those ideals when it's hard to speak, when it's speech you don't agree with. And you know, it's almost easier when someone's shooting a gun at you because, you know, that's the bad guy. He's got a gun pointed at you. But what if that instead of a gun, it's it's a needle, right? I believe you're familiar with I got in trouble for putting a picture up of the secretary of defense and it had a red circle, another red circle. And then it had a single slash that looked like a syringe. And they said that, oh, it looks like crosshairs. And I said, hmm. When does a line through something mean crosshairs? It usually means do not enter or not, not allowed. Don't smoke. That's the one that comes but to if, mind. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but if there was a, a syringe, am I threatening? I was, you know, allegedly threatening the Secretary of Defense. Was I allegedly threatening him with a syringe? Because he's actually threatened me and every service member with a syringe and what's inside. That's right. That's right. Yes, I am very familiar with the photo of which you speak and... And I think it's I think it's a fantastic way to highlight the criminal criminal behavior that is coming 
out of these DOD yes. offices. And, and I also think that it's a great way to highlight to our representatives, the people that we've elected, not the people that were appointed, but the people that we've elected into office, how we can highlight to them that the people who have chosen security and comfort and privilege over selfless sacrifice to uphold their oath to the Constitution, those people who failed to uphold their oath, who are oath breakers, they cannot be confirmed into the next rank. They cannot be given more rank and privilege and title. We have got to stop that. And and we and, and our representatives need to make sure that when they get the list for promotion, one stars to two stars, two stars to three stars, that they do not, the Senate does not confirm them if they had anything to do with this illegal mandate and unlawful orders. And the American people need to reach out to their representatives, not only to support acts that reinstate those people that gave up everything to support and defend the Constitution, but also to let the Congress know we cannot confirm these people who are obviously willing to trade money and you know accolades and title and 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 privilege for freedom. It's it's unsatisfactory and it has to stop. I agree completely, but the 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 issue that I see with that is who is there left to run the military as every flag officer every admiral, every general, every single one of them like, has gone along with this, which I, I don't know of a single active duty flag officer that, which includes generals and admirals, that has gone against this. You know, they've been some that there's rumors that they were forced out and now they're against it, but have the bravery to do it while you're in because you can actually change things. All we need is one general with court-martial authority, convening authority, and we can start military tribunals today so if you're that general and and you're sickened and disgusted with what's going on and you have court-martialing authority reach out to me and i'll get you in touch with lawyers that will teach you how to do that because you have the authority to stop this massacre of the military today and if you don't believe me go back and listen to episode 33 where i talk about the bioweapon series in the first part of the bioweapon series where i talk about how this bioweapon the shot not not the virus although the idea of this this illness may is may have likely been developed in china as well but the shot itself was developed in part by china if that sickens you and disgusts you then please reach out to me by email at afterhours at 1791.com that's after hours at 1791.com. And I'll get you in touch with lawyers that I know that can help you figure out how to start these tribunals, these military tribunals, to get justice. But then the next question is, who will run our military when we don't promote any of these people, when we kick them all out? Because I have no desire to well, ever go back to allow anyone to have power over me in the way that they have. And I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you, but I would imagine you're in a similar boat. I do feel very similarly. But I would say that there are people, and, and I think if you and I were called to serve in that capacity, I, and it was to support and defend the Constitution, I believe that we would sacrifice self and 
potentially jump back in the pool and and try to help correct um, our trajectory as a military in a country. But here we go again with the fear mongering, which is straight from the enemy, straight from Satan. Number one, we we might have to get rid of every flag officer. We might have to retire them or demote them or that that might be the case. And to be fearful to say that a major or a colonel can't step into the role that a general had is, in my opinion, it's just, it's foolishness because there are extremely capable majors and captains and lieutenant colonels and full bird colonels that have the ability to do that. And we are, we are, we are spreading fallacies if we're saying that, that that's not the case. It is. And I would say people more loyal to the constitution that are of lower rank and might have a better job at doing. Yes. Might be able to do a better job at doing it because they're not bought into that, that political system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then secondly, I would say that we historically as a country have never had so many flag officers in our ranks. It has become an entitlement program, carrots on a stick that you could throw something and hit a flag officer in 2023. It's unbelievable. So look back in history, everybody who's listening, look back in history, look at World War One. look at previous decades and look at how many flag officers we've had. And on the same token, look at our heroic general officers that led us in the past and look at their ribbon racks versus the ribbon racks of those general officers and lower ranking people today. It is like candy and people just want the bling. They want the flash. They want the, they want the rank and, 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 and Satan has figured out and he's used this tactic again and again and again, he's not original at all, but in his playbook, but he's figured out the more stuff I can throw at people, the more carrots on a stick I can dangle, the more I can distract them, and the more I can lead them into this direction, the less they're able to see right and wrong. They have blinders on, and they rationalize their decisions and their their actions, and that's what's happened to our military. And so, of course, you're going to grow the pool of people that are loyal to you, Satan. Of course, you're going to continue developing, printing more money, you know, creating more carrots on sticks so that we can have a group of people who's more loyal and who, who will obey an unlawful mandate, which is exactly what we've had. Let's shrink the flag officer force. Let's stop promoting these people who are willing to do anything regardless of the legality or, or not even the legality, but the, the absolute, I mean, it's just, it's inhumane is what it is, what they've done to people. And, and henceforth, you see all the people who are mass exodus from the military and none of our children and our children's friends want to join because they've seen how we've been treated. And, and social media, like your show and numerous other shows and just short snippets on TikTok, I mean, the stuff my kids show me about people that have been thrown out of the military and treated poorly on TikTok. It's on on Twitter, on Truth. 
on Telegram, it's everywhere. And these kids are so savvy. They teach me how to use these digital devices. So of course they're getting this information and, and our military and our country is suffering because of it. When, as we speak, there's a, I believe it's a Lance Corporal in Japan who I believe was arrested. I don't know, I haven't heard much of the story lately because they're keeping it very hush-hush, but she refused the shot and I believe they just arrested her and put her in confinement and I believe she's not having contact with the outside world or at least not much contact. That's what I've heard, yeah. You may, yeah, it, it's hard to get details on this because she's a stranger in a strange land. She doesn't have family there and when you get thrown in jail and you don't have phone or access to a phone, well, you just disappear. Yeah. I didn't think we were into disappearing people, but seems like we might be. It sure does. But that story is getting out, and the more time goes by, the more information will be on that story. And again, the more the next generation will see how Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett, who is the individual with whom you speak, how she was treated. And and again, a detriment. Thank you. Her name escaped me. Yeah, a detriment to our to our military and to our country. It's. Something's got to happen, and we need the American people to reach out to their representatives at this, at the local, the state, and the level to let them know that this is not okay and that action must be taken. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think that is a perfect note to, to stop on. I truly appreciate your time. I want to be respectful of your time as well. And is there anything else that you want to leave us with? I don't think so, except for when people repent and ask for forgiveness. It's there and it's granted. That's what this whole life is about. Right. What we do in this world is not temporary, but it's eternal. That's right. Because it, it determines what happens to us and, and to those around us. And, and so the little decisions we make aren't just menial. They have eternal importance. And, and there's always redemption and forgiveness at the cross. Amen. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, It's been Sam. a true pleasure talking with you. Likewise. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and all you do. God bless you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.